Hi, this is Sam Chan, and welcome to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. Thank you so very much for joining us. I look forward to being with you. And tonight, our topic is capacity. Capacity. Hi, Mary. How are you? I'm glad that you were able to join us. Uh, and. and Capacity is a topic I wish I, somebody had talked to me about when I was coming along in my leadership journey. Because everything is about everything is about capacity. All right, let me ask you. Have you ever sat down to eat like Eric is doing right now? Uh, you sat down to eat and you were hungry. You were starving. And you piled your plate up as high as it will go. I mean, you had everything on it and you were so hungry, but about halfway through it, you start slowing down. Halfway through it, you start getting full. Why? Because your stomach has reached its capacity. So your eyes were bigger than your stomach is what really boiled down to. Because everything is capacity. Uh, let me look. Okay, Any, anybody have a phone that ran out of batteries? Because this has a capacity. Uh, doesn't matter, doesn't matter how, how big the bus might be, you can get only this many people on the bus. Doesn't matter which uh, uh, factory you might be in, but there's only this much capacity for putting that out. Right now, right now, uh, we're talking about vaccines all over the world. And Pfizer, Moderna, JJ, and others have capacity. They can only do this much Vaccination can take place only this much. Churches can hold only this many people. So everything has capacity, a mental capacity. Uh, I've got a, I've got a uh, beautiful bottle of water over here, but how many of you know it will never hold a gallon? It will never hold two liters. So this, this bottle that I have hold in my hand is a uh, 1.500 milliliter, 16.9 fluid ounces, but this bottle, nothing wrong with the bottle, nothing wrong with the bottle, but it will never hold a gallon. It'll never hold two liters. Now, now, if I was to pour, now think about this way. If I was to pour water into this, that is more than what this bottle can hold, the capacity of the bottle, what's gonna happen to that water? It's gonna spill over. And because people don't understand that everything is a capacity, we think that everybody can do everything just the way you do it or you expect them to do it, but that's not really true. Everything is capacity. Let me begin by, by giving you a Bible example from uh, the Old Testament, Second uh, Kings chapter four, Second Kings chapter four. In Second Kings chapter four, uh, there's this widow woman, this widow woman and uh, uh, her husband just died. She's got two sons. Uh, her husband was in debt. He was a prophet, by, prophet, by the way, I was a prophet. So you know, preachers have always been in debt and everybody else too. So debt is, debt is nothing new. And, and, they, and they had a lien, they had a lien against the boys. Can you imagine that we have a lien against a house, lien against a car, they had a lien against the boys. And, and now that the husband is dead, the source of income has gone away and the creditors, start coming the Visa, MasterCard, American Express. They start coming after this uh, 
widow woman and said to her, if you cannot pay, we, can, we will take your boys away from you into slavery. Well, she, she, she sees Elisha, the prophet. She runs up to him and says to him, hey, hey, I'm in trouble. Elisha, you know the story. Elisha says to her, what do you have in the house? And she said, I got a little bit of oil. The prophet says to her, go and borrow all the vessels you can borrow. Put them inside the house, close the door and start pouring the oil from the original vessel. Well, they did exactly that. They went to all their neighbors, all their relatives. They went everywhere, gathered all the vessels they could gather, closed the door of their house and started pouring the oil. And as they were pouring the oil, as they were pouring the oil, the Bible says to us that when they had reached their last vessel, when they poured oil in the last vessel, the oil stopped. I have a question for you. If there had been one more vessel, would oil still be flowing? Of course, oil would still be flowing. So it was never about the oil. It was never about the pouring. It was the capacity of the vessels. When they ran out of vessels, it all stopped. It all stopped. Uh, in, in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, uh, Jesus is having his... Uh, Jesus having his first uh, leadership conference. Uh, well, his first multiply Zoom conference. Jesus having that, yes. And, and, and Jesus having this conference and he starts looking at his disciples, 70 of them, 70 disciples. And this is what Jesus, he looks at them, he says to them, the harvest is what? Great. But the laborers are few. And then Jesus asks a prayer request. The only place in the Bible that Jesus had a prayer request. He says, pray to the Father that he would do what? Send more laborers into the field. So he was saying to us, the harvest is great. Needs are great. People are waiting for this. But the capacity of the laborers are few. So it is never about the harvest. It's not about the people. It is all about the capacity of the, of the laborers. Huge harvest, few laborers. And that is still true today. His prayer request is over there. We also know, we also know that it takes greater capacity to harvest than to sow. Greater capacity to harvest a field, harvest uh, corn, harvest any kind of a vegetation than to sow it. Because to sow it, you uh, clean it out, furrow it, fertilize it, put the seed, and then after that, you just take care of it and wait for rain and sunshine to do the rest. But for harvest time, harvest takes more people to harvest. It makes more takes time to harvest, has greater volume to harvest. So when we talk about multiply, that means all of us looking for greater harvest. But all has to do with growing our capacity. So in my time with you this evening, I'm going to talk about seven areas, seven areas that you need to grow 
your capacity in, seven areas to grow your capacity in. Number one, and we talked about this week before last when I taught it, so I'm not gonna dwell long over here. I'm gonna mention it, refresh it, and move on. Your pain capacity, you gotta grow your pain capacity. You will grow only to the threshold of your pain. You remember we said that sentence again and again and again two weeks ago? You will grow only to the threshold of your pain. You will grow only to the threshold of your pain. You will grow only to the threshold of your pain. And remember we talked about more people, more pain, more growth, more pain, more change, more pain. Uh, but you, unless you grow your pain capacity, your growth capacity, your multiply will be limited. I was uh, talking to two senior leaders today doing uh, digital uh, media for them. And it was very obvious that they were struggling with this whole issue of pain. Because let me give you an example that one of them was suffering with. They were trying to do something really wonderful that they thought would touch the community. But because of the times that we live in right now, everyone's got opinions, right? Everyone's got opinions. And what he thought was a no-brainer, what he thought everybody was gonna love this. I mean, it's like, how could anybody be against something this wonderful, this godly, this impactful, this outreach? How could anybody be against that? And guess what happened? He had people pushing back. Why? Because some didn't agree with him. But the bottom line is that he started experiencing pain in his life. And I want to remind every one of us on this Multiply Masterclass that pain, capacity, will either allow you to grow or it'll inhibit your growth in your life. The second capacity, so I'm gonna spend a little time there. Now I'm gonna dig into the number two because there's seven of them. The second capacity I would like for you to think about is relationship capacity. So if you're writing this down, the second one is relationship capacity. You gotta grow your relationship capacity. So there are two kinds of people in this world. People who make deposits in life and people who make withdrawals from your life. People that make deposits in your life and people who make withdrawals from your life. Well, you all know them, don't you? People who make deposits in your life are people who come by and encourage you, pray for you, check up on you. Uh, they try to say uh, how God has blessed them and how he can bless you. They pray with you. They remember things about you. These are the people who make deposits in your life. But then there are people who make withdrawals from your life. They are always discouraging you. They're always hating on you. They don't celebrate you, they tolerate you. They never have anything positive or good to say about you or to you. So there are relationship capacity and you have to come to a place in your life where you can be secure enough to let a few people go. Let a few people go. Because you see, there are some people who are like scaffolding on a building, scaffolding on a building. They're not part of the building, but they help the building 
be there. And then once the building is built, it is taken away. So you got people in your life at different levels. And I think it comes a place in your life in which you say, you know, I got to let them go. Why? Because you're trying to increase your relationship capacity. Now, this is what happens in life. Please, please, please. This will be your story, my story, everyone's story. There are people who still see you how you used to be. They still see you in your former self. This, they, they have not wrapped their head around that now you are an adult. Now you are grown up. Now you are mature. Now you're making room for, I'll, I'll give an example, give an example. Uh, a few years ago, I went back home to India to, and, and one of the things I did while I was there, I preached at my home church uh, that my father used to pastor. He's gone on to be with Jesus now. But uh, I went to my home church and I preached there. There's another pastor there now. After the service, after the service, I was standing outside shaking people's hands, saying hi, hello, you know, all that, you know, because they hadn't seen me for years. I hadn't seen them for years. So we're getting reacquainted. At the end of the line were these two older ladies, two older ladies, and they came by me and they patted me on my head. And they said to me, and I'm going to tell you what they said to me in my language, and then I'm going to inter interpret for you. This is what they said to me. They said, Sammy Beta, Kase Ho. This is what they said in English. Sammy, that's my enduring name. Nobody calls me Sammy, but them. Uh, Sammy Beta is Sunny. So Sammy, Sunny, how are you? And a thought went through my mind. I'll never forget that. <laughs> a thought went through my mind. If I was to ever come back and pastor here, I'll be able to pastor everybody except these two ladies. Because these ladies changed my diapers, right? They babysat me. They spanked me. I mean, I mean, they, they raised me. Because in those days, how many of you remember the old church in which everybody thought they could spank you? <laughs> yeah, everybody was a mama and everybody was a daddy, everybody was an uncle, everybody was an auntie. So, so the, these two ladies, now, now remember, by now I'm a father, I'm a married man, I'm a grandfather, I'm a grandfather. And they are saying to me, Sammy, Sonny, how are you? And there are people just like that in your life who don't see you where you are. They don't see the maturity in your life. They don't see the growth in your life. They don't see the accomplishment in your life. They only see where you used to be, where how you used to be and how you responded at certain times. So there are new relationships and old relationships. I want to say two more things about relationship capacity. I am looking to be around people who bring me life, who bring me fulfillment who bring me joy. For example, our wonderful host, Pastor Virgil Sierra, every time I talk to him, every time I talk to him, he's full of life. He's exuberant. He's asking about me. He's asking about my family. He's always asking, what can I do to help you with this, that, the other? Now, he's got his own family. He's got his own church. He's not uh, living an impoverished life. You can see he can afford a haircut and everything. He's still got a little hair left over here that he couldn't afford to get cut. 
But here we are. He is, he is that person in my life who brings me joy, who brings me gladness, who, when I am on the phone with him, I'm not saying, oh no, when will this end? Because he is one, someone who brings joy. So who are the people who bring joy in your life? You want to gravitate toward them. And people who don't bring you joy, you want to make sure that you stay away from them. The last thing I want to say to you about relationship capacity is that a mega ministry, a mega business needs a mega marriage. If you're married, just take that to heart. A mega ministry, a mega business needs a mega marriage. So if you are married, I know not all of you are married, but if you are married, make sure that you are growing your relationship capacity. Number three is grow your exposure capacity. Grow your exposure capacity. I, have, I am convinced, I'm convinced that the greatest growth opportunities for anybody is exposure, exposure. Okay, I'm gonna give you an example. Give you an example, give you an example. Let us say the largest house you have ever seen, the largest house you have ever seen is a two bedroom, one bathroom, ranch style house. If the largest house you've ever seen is a two bedroom, one bathroom, ranch style house. And I come to you and say to you, hey, you've been my friend forever. Uh, my rich uncle died. I've come into a lot of money. I want to buy your land. I want to build you a house. So build the largest house, the best house that you want to build. But if the largest house you've ever seen was a two-bedroom, one-bedroom, one-bathroom, ranch-style house, guess what you're going to build? Two-bedroom, one-bathroom, ranch-style house. Hold that scene in, one, in your head. Scene number two. You have been watching HGTV. <laughs> yeah. You have been watching all those mega mansions. You have been watching all those millionaire makeovers. And then I come to you and I say to you, hey, you know, my rich uncle died. I have a lot of money. So I want to build you a house. I'll buy your land and pay for everything. I'll pay for everything. So build the largest house you want to build. Guess what you're going to build now? Mm-hmm. Yep. You're going to break the bank. You're going, to, <laughs> you're going to build the largest house. Now, the difference, okay. I did not change. My offer did not change. My money did not change. You did not change. The opportunity did not change. The only thing that changed was that now you had higher exposure you had greater exposure. So my question for all leaders, including you is, what do you do intentionally for greater exposure? For example, when you go on vacation and you want to go to church on vacation, do you go to a church that is one of your tribe? Wherever you might be, if you're Baptist, you go to Baptist, Pentecostal, you go to Pentecostal, Lutheran, you go to Lutheran, Episcopalian, you go to Episcopalian. 
Or when you are on vacation, you say, I'm going to go to some place I have never been. You know, I've always been a Baptist, but I think I'm going to go to a Presbyterian church this Sunday. You know why? Because that is how you have to expose yourself. Uh, I get to consult with um, a lot of large churches and businesses as well. And especially, I'm going to give you a church example here. I suggest to all the pastors that on a rotating basis, make sure you send your leaders one at a time, not all of them the same Sunday, one at a time to another church of their choosing. They get to choose another church. Just tell them, we don't want you to go to a church like ours. Go to a totally different church and come back and tell us what you learned. That is Leadership HGTV. Exposing yourself. Uh, and, and you know where I've grown? I've grown the most when I have been exposed to the most uncomfortable situations. The more uncomfortable the situation, it stretches me more. Now, everything within us wants to go towards a comfort level. And comfort, comfort level never taught anybody anything. You never grow in comfort. You always grow in discomfort. And that happens when you have exposure capacity, exposure capacity. Before I go on to number four, I just want to give you a heads up and that uh, we'll be entertaining questions at the end. So if you want to get in the chat and send them to uh, Virgil, he will make sure that he has them ready so there's no lag time. So send your questions from wherever you have uh, from what I'm teaching or beside that as well. Number four, I'm talking about growing your identity capacity, your identity capacity identity capacity. So I'm going to give you a rundown of my life in 30 seconds or less and see if it toggles it for you. I've been a dishwasher, janitor, breakfast cook, youth pastor, senior pastor, university president, and now I do what I do. And at every level, my identity was different. Your identity has shifted over the years as well. The tension in our life is between who you were, who you are, and who you are becoming. I want to say it again. The tension in your life is between who you were, who you are, and who you are becoming. And so often, we think that what I'm becoming is who I was. Okay, I'm, just this last Sunday, this last Sunday, I had an amazing experience that, that just illustrates what I'm talking about. So back in 1981, 82, I was pastoring a small church in Michigan, 50, 60 people on a Sunday, country church, I was, uh, that time I was 30 years of age, something like that, 29, 30, something like that. And 
we got this little flyer in the mail. And some of you younger people like uh, Sarah Jean and Eugenia don't know what a flyer is. A flyer is a piece of paper that comes in your mailbox. It's an advertisement that tells you something is happening. <laughs> yeah, it's not Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's a piece of paper folded over with a staple. Do you know what a staple is? Okay, a staple. <laughs> and it comes in the mailbox. You know what a mailbox is, right? It comes in your mailbox. So I got a flyer. I was pastoring the small church, got a flyer from this church about an hour and a half north of us. And it said, we are having this uh, Easter play. And it will be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And if you want to buy tickets and come, you're welcome. So my wife and I saved up some money. We didn't hardly have any money, but we went, we drove up an hour and a half. We went to this church, huge church. I mean, it had, could seat 5,000 people. And we got tickets for way back in the balcony, way up there. And it was mesmerizing. Uh, they had people sliding down trapeze. They had this living panoramic uh, Lord's Supper. Uh, with actual people. I mean, they had they had donkeys coming down on Palm Sunday. I mean, they had everything. It was huge. Their, their platform was larger than our entire church. Uh, their, 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 their cast was more than our members. So we are mesmerized. So next year, next year, we got some of our church people together, got in our church van and drove up again, hour and a half, and we went sat in the balcony. Now you can understand, I'm a small church pastor, got 50, 60 people, there are thousands, thousands of people. I've never been a church this size before. I'm totally awestruck. I'm sitting there saying, oh God, will this ever happen for me? Will I ever be able to pastor a church like this? Will I ever be able to do all of this that they are doing? And so on and so forth. Well, it never happened for me. Never happened for me. But guess what did happen for me? That church contacted me, if I would consult with them and help them at this stage in their life. So last Sunday, I had my first Zoom meeting with the leadership, last Sunday. So I'm in, I am where I'm sitting right now. I am here. They are in their Zoom uh, meeting room. And I look at them and I tell them the story that I just told you. That if I had still kept my identity as, a, as to what I was in 1981, 1982, I would not be where I was at that time. So the same, I said to them, I used to come to your church. You don't know this, but this boy you're talking to almost 40 years ago used to come and sit in your church in the balcony way up there. And now you are paying me to come and help you. And I wasn't saying that in a proud way. I wasn't saying it in an arrogant way. I just had to, first of all, give glory and honor to God because he has multiplied. Isn't that what our masterclass is about? But more than that, more than that, I had to change my identity capacity. Many of us struggle between the tension between where we were, where we are, and what we are becoming. 
And the challenge a lot of times is that a lot of the people that are around you right now cannot take that journey with you. They cannot take that trip with you. Many of the people that are around you right now, they are much more comfortable relating to you how you used to be than how you are now. And that is a painful experience, painful experience. But as long as you let other people define your identity, you will not be able to multiply. So we're talking about capacity, increasing your capacity in your identity. Number five, six, and seven. And then I will open it for questions. And then after that, uh, I have a closing illustration for you. And then I'm gonna throw the ball to Virgil. Number five, you got to multiply your crisis capacity, your crisis capacity. We all have crisis in our life. Every organization has crisis in our life. But do not ever waste a crisis. Never waste a crisis. During these pandemic months, there have been more millionaires and billionaires than ever before. I, I, okay, just, just what, three days ago, three days ago, I was reading this research done by a group called the McKenzie, McKenzie Consulting Group. McKenzie Consulting Group is a, is a worldwide consulting group that consults with bis large businesses, small businesses, and they, they have their finger on the pulse of the business community. And this is what I read three days ago. In the last quarter of 2019, in the last quarter of 2019, so that would be October, November, December, or 2019. Now remember, that's pre-pandemic. Remember that's pre-pandemic. In the United States of America, in October, November, December, or 2019, 700, 750,000 new businesses made application for licensing. 750,000 new businesses made application. Hold that thought, hold that thought. One year later, October, November, December of 2020, there are no vaccines working out right now. Pandemic is still raging. People are still not getting together for Thanksgiving and Christmas. In 2020, October, November, December, 1.5 million applied for a new business license. Double the amount of people than before the pandemic in the same time period. Think about that for a moment. Because what people said, there is a crisis, but we will not let the crisis stop us. And I want to say to you, whatever crisis you are facing, you've got to remind yourself, you've got to remind yourself that you are, I'm going to show you a picture here, hold it up. You've got to remind you, you love my PowerPoint? Do you like my PowerPoint here? Yeah, that's my PowerPoint coming through. Uh, you got to remind yourself 
that you're, it is in your crisis that you're going to grow. Okay, work with me now. I want you to imagine this is your company, this is your church, this is your business. This is point A, this is point B. At point A, things are going up, right? Things are looking good. Things are increasing. More customers are coming. More church members are coming. Things are growing. At point B, guess what's happening? Things are going down. Things are declining. Things are slowing down. By the way, what I'm teaching right now is known as the sigmoid curve. Known as the sigmoid curve. So now, point A, point B. If you're going to make changes, where are you going to make changes? Point A or point B? Well, most people would say point B. But if you want, if you make changes at point B, guess what's going to happen? By then, decline has already set in. By then, things are already deteriorating. The best thing you can do here is to slow it down, put a spin on it. But leaders, because they see a crisis coming, make changes at point A. But if you make changes at point A, if you make changes, let me see if I can do this upside down without looking at it. Isn't that cool? Hey, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm patting myself on the back. When you make changes at point A rather than point B, nobody else sees it except you as the leader. And then because you made point changes at point B rather than point A, this area here between point A and point B, before you see it, between where you see it and where everybody else sees it is known as chaos. Chaos. So the way your life goes, my life goes, is chaos to chaos. I know the Bible says we go from glory to glory. Let me translate that for you. In real life, <laughs> we go from chaos to chaos. But this is where growth points come in. And it is in those growth points, it is in those growth points that we have to say to ourselves, that the hardest times in our life have given us the greatest retur returns. You have grown more in your difficult days than in your successful days. And that is true for all of us. So never waste a crisis. Grow your crisis capacity. Two more. Number six, grow your character. Multiply your character capacity. Character capacity. Character capacity. I can tell you this much. Charisma, competence, talent will get you in the room. Will get you in the room. But character will keep you in the room. Character will keep you in the room. Character is something that tells people you are who you are all the time, all the time. Uh, most people focus on the calendar. That means people to see places to go, things to do. And I want you to focus on your character because if you'll take care of the inside, it'll take care of your outside. You take care of your private life, that'll take care of your 
public life. At the end of the day, all you've got is your good name that you can safeguard. So let me say it in the shortest way I can. If you're married, don't fool around. If you have access to money, don't put your hand in the tilly. <laughs> if you're writing a report, be truthful. Because the Bible says, be sure your sins shall find you out. Be sure. That means you can bank on it. <laughs> you, can, you, you, you cannot escape that. So grow your, multiply your character capacity. Because the fastest way a leader loses their influence is when their walk and their talk does not match. Uh, we Okay. All of us have known of somebody who messed up. And can I tell you the biggest mess up was, the biggest mess up was not in their competency, not in their charisma, but in their, in their character, character. So I, I wanna, I wanna you, know, you know, I have, I have friends, I have friends who say things like, especially church friends, who say things like, well, he fell into adultery. He fell into a, fell, fell, fell into adultery. Help me understand that. I'm walking around in, along in life. Life is good. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I love my church. I love my friends. And whoops, I fell. No, 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 that's not what happened. In fact, Psalm 1-1, the book of Psalm, chapter 1, verse 1, gives us the anatomy of the slippery slope. It says this to us. Blessed are the man who walketh not, number one. Number two, sitteth not. No, standeth not, sorry. Number three, sitteth not. Walk, stand, sit. Walk, stand, sit. That is the anatomy of sin. Character, character, character. So if you're around a temptation, if you keep on walking, because all of us are surrounded by that, right? So you cannot live, you can, I mean, there's no such thing as quarantine from sin, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be something if you could quarantine from sin? <laughs> but there's no such thing. So if you are around sin, a temptation, and you keep on walking, you're good. But when you stand to admire it, and then you sit down beside it, you're done. Multiply your character capacity. And the last one, the last one, is you gotta multiply your risk capacity. Your risk capacity. Risk capacity. So back to Luke chapter 10, Jesus sending out his uh, disciples and this is what he says to them. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Think about that. I mean, what picture comes to your mind? A lamb walks into a wolf pack. <laughs> I mean, Jesus had, a, had a, an amazing way of drawing pictures. Isn't that interesting? I'm gonna send you as lambs. 
among wolves. That means you'll have to take risks. And one of the things I have not understood is when people get more successful, get higher up in whatever circle they are in, they stop taking risks. And I want to say to you, keep taking risks. Why do you want to die coulda, woulda, shoulda? So you know that thing you're planning on doing? Do it. As long as it's not ungodly, unrighteous, illegal, unethical, you know that's it, what's in your mind? Just do it, risk. So I don't know if you all get my uh, video every Tuesday called Tuesday with Sam Chand. So every Tuesday I do a video called video Tuesday with Sam Chand. Literally, okay, I see that hand go up there. Uh, literally, I see that one too. Uh, if you don't get Tuesday with Sam Chan, uh, Virgil can sign you up for that. It's free. It's a two-minute video, two-minute video every Tuesday. It started in my basement. I said to my daughter, she had an iPhone 4 or 5, something like that. And I said, can you just hold this phone? I'm going to say something for two minutes and let's uh, put it out there. And now 100,000 people get it. It was a risk. And the question was, uh, why, why, what would happen if nobody, if nobody watches it, if nobody likes it? Well, I said to myself, it was not, it was not ungodly, it was not unrighteous, it was not illegal, it was not unethical. I'm gonna go for it. Because Sam Chan's philosophy, can I tell you Sam Chan's philosophy when I'm figuring out whether I should do it or not? I ask myself, what's the worst that can happen? I remember writing my first book. I've written 22 books now. Writing my first book. It's like, what if nobody buys it? What if no, nobody publishes it? The, 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 the best story I can give you is out of the Bible. It is the book of Revelation, chapter one. Uh, John, the revelator, is in the Isle of Patmos. We would, we would, uh, uh, we would uh, call that Alcatraz now. And John, John the Beloved is on there. And God comes to him. I mean, he's on an island being banished in exile. And, 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 and God comes to him and says to him, write. In fact, write seven letters to seven churches. Now, John's got to be saying to himself, you got to be kidding me. Uh, you want me to write a letter? How's it going to get off this island? <laughs> How, how will we be able to get it out there? I mean, people in Ephesus, people in uh, Philadelphia, I mean, people in Thyatira, they, they don't even know I'm over here. How, how, how is it going to get out there? And, and I can just, God saying to him, just write, just write. Take the risk. You do your part, I will do my part. Just take the risk. So let me conclude this part with uh, a biblical illustration of, uh, of, of capacity. Then I'm throwing it out to, for your questions. And after the questions, uh, Virgil throw it back to me again because I have a closing illustration that I think will make a lot of sense. And then I'll throw it back to you. Okay, let's play some ping pong here. So 
in Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Luke chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. In Luke chapter 5, uh, let, me, let me pull that up. Uh, I left my Bible in the other, in the other room. So I'm going to pull this up right here, Luke 5. Here we go. So you know the story. They have been fishing all night and they have not caught anything. Jesus shows up, says, cast your nets on the other side. They cast the nets on the other side. Good. Verse 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. I'm going to focus on verse 6 and 7. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their nets break. Now, I know you all are muted. Don't unmute yourself. I can't hear you, but I want you to say breaking nets. Can you do that? One, two, three. Breaking nets. I want to see your lips moving. One, two, three. Breaking nets. Okay? Verse 7. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Okay, everyone say sinking boats. Okay, breaking nets, sinking boats. One, two, three. Breaking nets, sinking boats. Question for you, question for you. Hang with me now, hang with me. Their capacity of the nets, breaking nets, and the capacity of the boats, sinking boats, was the only limiting factor to multiplication. Got a question for you. How many fishes were in the Sea of Galilee that day? 5,000, 5 million, I don't know. Let me, give you, let me give you a little geography on this. If you were to walk around the entire Sea of Galilee, if you were to walk around the entire Sea of Galilee, you will have to walk 33 miles. It is 13 miles long, eight miles wide. 33 miles is the circumference of the Sea of Galilee. So we're not talking about a little pond in the backyard. We're talking about some major water. You can see the other side kind of water. Now, so that lake was stocked with fishes, stocked with fishes. But the limiting factor, breaking nets, sinking boats. Breaking nets, sinking boats. It all had to do with capacity, not of the miracle. The miracle was there. The miracle worker were there, was there. The fishes were there. But the nets began to break and the boats began to sink. Simply, it all comes down to 
capacity in a person's life. So before uh, I tell you my closing illustration, uh, I want uh, Virgil has already put the link in there for Tuesdays with samchan.com. It's free, it's free. Two minutes every Tuesday, leadership. And they're all, I've got hundreds of videos archived there. You can go through there and pick and choose and so on and so forth. So Virgil, let me throw the ball at you. And if let's do a few questions and I want to come back and close out again. Very good, very good. Thank you, Dr. Sam Chen. I love it. Dr. Sam, you could, can you do this? Can you do this, Dr. Sam? Can you do this? Drop the mic. He just dropped the mic, everybody. Dr. Sam Chen just dropped the mic. All right, that's good. Excellent teaching. So here, here we go. I know, I believe it's Ade, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, has a question uh, in the chat, which I'm going to read. But I also want to give you guys opportunities to ask the question yourself. So would you like to unmute yourself and ask the question? Oh, okay. All right. Um, well, so, hi, Dr. Chan. Uh, thank you for uh, this opportunity. Again, really appreciate it. Thankful. Um, so my question has to do with, uh, I think, um, one, two, three, no, uh, area number three, uh, exposure capacity. I think that and um, identity were probably like my way. I think I was, I was pretty much drinking everything you said. I mean, throughout, I, I think I really got a lot from that. Uh, but my question has to do um, for those of us who are single in, in that regard, is more exposure better? I think I'm talking about where you talk about um, you only grow by doing, by discomfort, by learn, other than, in other words, it's not your comfort zone in which you grow the most, um, both in terms of looking for, you know, a spouse, obviously, and then in terms of long-term, long-term, I guess, uh, suitability, would you say, how would you say that applies or doesn't apply? It absolutely, makes any sense. Okay. it absolutely applies because exposure is, is the only way that people grow. So you have to say to yourself, uh, what are the places and people I need to be around? So if you're looking for us, if you're fishing, you got to go where the fishes are, right? So uh, you will not find a wife in a men's group. <laughs> yeah, men's fellowship is not spouse hunting. Uh, so, so what you will do is be part of another small group. Uh, be part of things that have believers in them because you want to be uh, yoked with another believer. And you also want to make sure that you are not limiting your, 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 I, I remember when I, when I was in Bible college, when I was in Bible college, there was this guy in our dormitory and we were talking about getting married and so on and so forth. And he said, I want a wife who can play the keyboard. Well, <laughs> that was that was his exposure level, right? And you find out after a while that keyboard does not, I mean, that is an hour on Sunday, but the rest of the of the week, she ain't paying the keyboard <laughs> at home. So the, the whole thing is how do you find avenues of experiencing exposure in your own context? Some of it is church, some of it is work, some of it is social activities. Some of it is uh, gym, uh, gyms. Uh, the, you got to be where the people that you're looking for are congregating. 
So that's the exposure. But I do want to say something about identity as well. And that is, it is so easy to get stuck in where we used to be because people love to keep us there. People love to pigeonhole us. People love to remind us of where we used to be. And they'll say things like, remember back when we used to? And you say, yeah, I don't do that anymore. You know, I don't go there anymore. I'm not interested in that anymore. I moved on from there. You're still there, but I'm not still there. I've, I've got friends who still act like they did in college days. And I say, you just didn't grow up. You just didn't grow up. And, and if you're not careful, they will suck you back. So walk into a new identity and make sure that you expose yourself in a good way uh, to uh, in, in, a, in context that are applicable to what you're talking about. All the best to you. Send me an invitation and I'll send you a piece of paper, like a check. Somebody else. Thank you. A, Thank you. Got a question. Very good. Very good. We can. Um, we have some time, obviously, for some questions here. If you have a question. Um, you can use the reactions tab to raise your hand or you can physically raise your hand. I'm trying to keep an eye on everybody here. Uh, I want to see if anybody has a question right now for Dr. Sam Chan. I see one from Willie, Willie and Mattia Robinson. You can unmute yourself. Hey. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. It's an honor to be here with you guys, Dr. Chan. Um, first off, I've been listening to on audio.com. I've been listening to your book, Leadership Pain, today, and I practically cried all day long. Wow. And just listening to your to your book, I cried. Um, you just mentioned something regarding um, exposure. Um, uh, you have to be exposed to pain. My question is, what should your mind frame be like when when you're exposed to pain? Should you have a mindset? Is there a, a, a type of mindset that you should have while you're being exposed to the pain that's stretching you, taking you to the next level? Have you noticed that pain comes unannounced? Yes, sir. Yeah, a pain comes unannounced. And so it, it would be wonderful if we could prepare a mindset for that. But what we can do is to say to ourselves, pain is a friend. I need pain partners. I will not numb my pain. Those are mindsets, if that makes sense. Those are mindsets. And mindsets are paradigms that allow us to say to ourselves, that when I'm in pain, I will not run from pain. I will not hide from pain. I will not insulate my pain. I'll not quarantine my pain. I will feel the pain, and but I'll remain faithful in the middle of my pain. I won't go AWOL in the middle of my pain. I will not go stupid in the middle of my pain. I will make sure that pain continues to teach me because if I don't learn my lesson now, the lesson will be repeated again. You know, God God does things backward. God does to things totally backward. In, in, in our school system, we go to school, the teacher teaches a lesson, they give us the lesson first, and then they give us the test, right? In God's school, he gives you the test and says, what did you learn? And, and, and here's the weird part. Here's the strange part. If you don't learn your lesson, he'll give you the test again and again and again. He said, you will not leave this room till you pass this test. <laughs> and you're saying, let me out, let me out, let me go. But that's how God does what God does. And so uh, you need to pass your test. And, and, the, and the pain threshold is a real thing. But it's a mindset. You need to know, even though I wrote the book, I wrote it out of pain. You heard some of my story in there. I, I experienced pain on a regular basis. 
No one is immune from pain. In fact, when, when people cannot hurt you anymore, cannot inflict pain on you anymore, you cannot serve people anymore. Mm. Because if you don't feel pain, it'll kill you. And that is why, sorry to make you cry all day. You know, you know, you didn't sell another book for me today. Did you know that? Nobody's gonna say, I mean, who buys a book saying, oh, I'm gonna buy that book, it's gonna make me cry all day. So uh, thanks a lot. You know, it, it was a, it was it was a cry in a good way. Oh, okay. It was a good cry. Okay, you're cleaning it up now. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> All right, thank you, Willie. Can, can I just add, Dr. Sam Chan? You know that leadership pain is such a such a revelation for me because um, when I when I when I when I first heard of it and I got my hands on it, um, I was I had already gone through a lot of pain. And I think my natural instinct, our natural instinct as human beings is I don't want to go through it. And here's the interesting part. And I, and I learned this obviously from, from your teachings is I realize now that my greatest growth has actually happened as a result of my greatest pains in ministry, you know, in, in the organization. And in the moment it feels so horrible. It's like, I wait, like, Lord, take this away. Like, and now, you know, the funny thing is I, <laughs> sometimes Sometimes pain is also connected to hard conversations, you know, with people. And uh, I told my wife, now, thanks, Dr. Sam Chan, I actually, I actually kind of look forward to hard conversations now. Not that I want pain, but I know that there's something that, that's, that's, that, that I'm going to gain when I push through it by God's grace. And so just as an encouragement to everybody here, you know, we wish that we didn't have to go through it. But part of going through it is that multiplication that, that we're all longing for. So good. Um, any other questions? We have only a couple minutes left here. Uh, this is your opportunity to ask Dr. Sam Chand a direct question. You can raise your hand there or you can raise it on the reactions. I'm not seeing any hands. Let me see. Let me see. Anybody? Let me see. Let me see. Um, you know, Dr. Sam, I'll jump in here real quick. Oh, Eric, somebody. Eric's got a question. Eric, jump in, Eric. Just a, a quick question. Um, Dr. Chan, on the um, character capacity and focusing on the inside, obviously we do our Bible readings and all of that. A couple of your favorite books on personal development, growth, things that would challenge people to get out of their comfort zones. Uh, I have enjoyed uh, Making of a Man. I'm forgetting the name of the author. Uh, but let, let me tell you, uh, let me, let me share with you what, what keeps me on the straight and narrow. First thing is I don't want to disappoint the very people I love the most. You'll never live it down, never live it down. Number two, I don't want to disappoint the literally thousands upon thousands of people around the world who listen to my podcasts, who watch my videos, who read my books. And I also have to keep reminding myself, uh, this year I'll be 69. I mess up now, I will not live enough long enough to rehab myself. <laughs> you know, if I messed up when I was 28, 30, 35, I could move on, get a job somewhere, you know, become a greeter, usher at a church, 
Soon they might let me run the sound system. Then, you know, I can run a small group. And about five, six years after that, I might be a site pastor. Or I might plant my church. But in about 10, 15 years, I can rehab myself. Now, my runway is shorter. <laughs> I mean, there's more runway behind me than in front of me. I know that. So sometimes, sometimes just what I call reality therapy. Just remind yourself. And, and then I'll be a poor man too because she'll get it all. <laughs> no one's, no one, you, you won't pay to be on Zoom with me. No one will buy my books. Nobody invite me to speak. I mean, I'll, I'll be in the homeless shelter. Uh, <laughs> I mean, those are, so, so Eric, Eric, what I say to myself is, at the end of the day, you guys just say to yourself, don't be stupid. Because, because here's what the other thing I've learned. All of my friends who messed up, and I've had a lot of friends who messed up. All of my friends who messed up are godly people, praying people, devotional people. Many of them preachers and teachers and pastors and travelers and authors. So these are not people that did not know spiritual disciplines. They knew them. And yet they didn't understand what it means to walk, stand, sit. And before they knew it, the standing turned into sitting. Me, I just know that, no, it's, it's just going to be the end of the world. It's going to be the end of the world. And so sometimes more than reading a book, you just got to remind yourself, you mess up, it's over. I mean, life as you know it is totally gone. Uh, no one's calling you for anything, even carrying a glass of water. It's just like, it, it's crazy. And I don't want to be part of that. So Virgil, let me, let me finish off with, 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 with one example, with one example. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about capacity growth, capacity growth. You come into a restaurant and I'm your server. I'm, I'm your server. I'm your server. <clears throat> and you're in a beautiful restaurant. <clears throat> you're in a restaurant that, uh, you know, you got to take out a second mortgage to go to. Low lights, beautiful music, ambiance, actual tablecloth, actual china, actual silverware, actual glasses. You know, they've got five forks on either side, you know, that kind of place. And, and I'm your server, I'm your server. And you're sitting in that restaurant and I'm smiling, I got a tuxedo on, you know, I am, I am the maitre day, I am your server. I'm smiling, I take your order. You, 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 you order a steak and you say, I want it well done. I want you to kill it. No sacrifice, no blood, I want it dead. I want it dead. So I take your order, I walk out of your room through a wall with a door in it and now I'm in the kitchen. I walked out of the restaurant into the kitchen. 
Now, all of us know that kitchen is different from the restaurant. Kitchen is where the slicing and dicing going on. Kitchen is where helter-skelter is breaking loose. Kitchen is where they drop your food on the floor, pick it back up, put it on the plate, and you say, it tastes so good. Yeah, that's, that's kitchen, that's kitchen, that's kitchen. So uh, I go in the kitchen and I place your order. Steak, well done. Kill it. I bring the steak, put the steak on the plate. I bring the steak out to you. Here's the steak. I bring the steak out to you. And you look at the steak and you cut into the steak and it is still half alive. It is going, move, it's wanting to run off your plate. You're trying to hold it back with a fork. And you call me back over. You say, sir, 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 come back, come back, come back. I ordered well done and there's blood all over this plate. So, you know, I give the sickly smile. You know how we do. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And, you know, I, and, I, and I apologize profusely. I pick up the plate. I'll say, I'll be right back. I go into the kitchen and the smile fades immediately. And I'm yelling at the chef because he has cut into my tip for the evening. And, 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 and this is terrible, da, 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 da. And then the chef fixes it back up. Clean plate, new steak, bring it back, serve it to you. I said, sir, ma'am, would you mind cutting into it to make sure it's the right temperature? And you cut into it and you say, yeah, it's done perfectly. And I'm happy for that. But what just happened was that we discovered that the restaurant and my behavior in the restaurant is so different from the kitchen and my behavior in the kitchen. Restaurant and kitchen. All of you on this call, all of you on this call, in real life, have one foot in the restaurant and another foot in the kitchen. Every one of you. In the restaurant, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, life is good, lights are low, music is great, people are dressed up. In the kitchen, is a totally different atmosphere going on. And it is your capacity to be able to serve in both the restaurant and the kitchen simultaneously is what multiplies you. Because, so here's my prayer for you. Here's my prayer for you. May every one of you be schizophrenic. Because schizophrenia will make you a better leader. <laughs> of course, I'm kidding. Of course, I'm joking. But I'm trying to make a point here. If you want to multiply yourself and you stay in just one room, that's one thing. Or if you had the option in life to stay in just a restaurant, that'd be wonderful. But you and I don't have that option, do we? We can walk into a restaurant where it's nice, and then something else happens, the phone rings, the email comes through, a text message comes through, and we find ourselves in the kitchen. So here we are in the restaurant and kitchen, restaurant, kitchen, restaurant, kitchen, restaurant, kitchen. You're talking to somebody who's really smiling, and next thing you know, somebody's scowling, somebody's sending you a hate message. You're reading Facebook, somebody loves you, somebody doesn't like you, somebody disagrees with you. It's all over the map, and you are flip-flop, flip-flop, flip-flop all day long between a restaurant and a kitchen. Restaurant, kitchen, restaurant, kitchen. But for you to multiply as a leader, 
That's why you signed up for this masterclass, is to remind yourself that you and I don't have the luxury of staying in the restaurant. Because if there was no kitchen, there would not be a restaurant. It's the kitchen that makes the restaurant. So my prayer for every one of you is that may the Lord multiply you, not in the restaurant alone, not in the kitchen alone, but give you strength to keep one foot in the restaurant, one foot in the kitchen, and keep doing what you have called to do. Ministry, marketplace, sacred, secular, church, corporation, doesn't matter, but may you have the multiplication factor going on in your life saying, I can do this. I'm called for this. I can handle this. I can make this happen. I will not let this get me down. I will change the atmosphere. I will not just be a thermometer that reads the temperature in the wall, but I'll be a thermostat. I will set the temperature in the room. And when you have that kind of multiplication going on in your mindset, in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul, now you're growing to be what God has called you to be. Not just multiplying yourself, but then you become a multiplier of other people as well. So Virgil, we have done overtime today and these people will not pay for overtime. I know that. <laughs> so, well, that's good, Dr. Sam Chan. How you feel, Dr. Sam? You feel good with today? I'm feel, I feel good, except I'm looking at some people here. Yeah, I see Sarah Jean back. Sarah, you had a good, better week this year, huh? This week. Okay. Can you unmute your microphone for a second? Yes, here I am. <laughs> so you had a better week? Yes, I did. Thank you. Well, praise the Lord. We'll keep praying for you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> and I see your cat is still walking back and forth. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I was wondering if y'all would see oh, it. Oh, of course we did. did <laughs> but, but I was under such an anointing at that time that I didn't want to stop. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Very good, everybody. Well, Dr. Sam Chan, thank you once again for delivering. Also, thank you for dropping the mic. That was really cool. I got to take a video of you doing that. It was awesome. 